This is Sarah with an exciting announcement. We have just launched the SideWoo Collective, a new inclusive community of artists, metaphysical practitioners, and the Woo Curious. The SideWoo Collective is, for now, an online community focused on art, the metaphysical, and general wellness. Essentially all the things you love about the podcast, but in real life. Our first offering is a three-week online course with classes every Sunday at 6 p.m. between February 12th and the 26th. Classes include sigil making with artist and educator Rachel Dawson, Intuition 101 with tarot reader and Scottish witch Amelia Whitehouse of the Carnelian Keep, and Drawing Your Shadow with Yours Truly. You can go to our new website, thesidewoo.com, to sign up, get on our mailing list, or reach out with any questions. This will be a great way to engage with one another and get a better understanding of who this community is. I'm really excited to share it with you and hope to see you there. Hi, this is Sarah Tebow. And this is Liz Bernstein, and we are the hosts of the Side Woo Podcast. This is a space to investigate what makes a creative life possible, from the mundane to the sublime, the physical to the metaphysical. Welcome to the Side Woo. Hello, this is Sarah. I'm really excited for today's episode. We are talking with Joanne Menon. She's a life coach and has been studying A Course in Miracles for about 20 years and has recently begun teaching it. Um, So we are having her on to talk about the text of A Course in Miracles as well as the daily lessons. And I think she does a really great job in unpacking kind of the important, useful content from this really complex, long text that maybe not everyone has time or interest in reading. And But I think she pulls out some of the key concepts that I've found really helpful taking her class. Some quick announcements before I go to the episode. I wanted to share that Joanne will be leading a retreat in the Olympic National Park And that will be taking place in June from the 19th to the 24th. She'll be posting some more information on her website, which we will include in show notes. You can also check out her Instagram page, again, included in show notes. For me, I won't be doing a tarot reading this episode, but, you know, you're always welcome to reach out to me um, at ninaarnett.co. And you can also send us an email um, to give us feedback about the show at thesidewoo at gmail.com or recommend anyone for interviews or, you know, ask questions that you want us to answer. Or if you would like to be the subject of a tarot reading, I would offer a free 15 minute tarot reading if you would be open to us recording it for an episode. So just some food for thought. Anyway, now on to the show. Well, hi, Liz. Hi, Sarah. Welcome, listeners, to the second episode of season two of The Side Woo. It's a Sunday, and it's nighttime. Who's coming on the show tonight? It is Joanne Menon, who is a wonderful person that I met in a writing class. Joanne, so good to see you again. I saw you yesterday, and then I'm going to see you tomorrow morning for your A Course in Miracles class that you are teaching. Yes, that is true. I'm looking forward to having you back. Yes, likewise. You are the first official guest of season two, the new More Woo season of the podcast, and hopefully continuing into More Woo territory. 
not just side woo. This is mega woo. Well, the, I'm the I'm definitely of the mega woo mystic side of totally. Woo. So this is about as woo as you get. Unless you're actually, you know, St. John of the Cross or someone else. So, yes. I actually told Liz yesterday when we were working on our questions that A Course in Miracles is basically the end game of all spirituality. <laughs> well, that is a good trailer, though, for what, what will be coming up. That's like the you know, log sell line. it, Sarah. <laughs> yeah. Sell the end hard. all be all. That's but yeah, maybe you could start by just talking about what you're doing now and what got you to that point. Uh, Yeah, I would have to say that my spiritual journey, you know, I can actually go back to childhood and I remembered my parents never wanting to go to church, but they would drop my sister and I off with our with our nanny and I would go and I would listen to the pastor and attend classes. And as a little girl, I wasn't buying anything that my pastor was saying. I was probably asking more questions than anything. And I was getting a lot of that feedback of, you just need to have faith, don't ask questions. And um, that never worked for me. So by the time I was a teenager, I just flatly rebelled. I'm like, I'm not doing this. This doesn't make any sense. And the biggest reason I didn't get is there was this theme of condemnation for anyone who didn't believe specifically in this path. And when I would ask what's happening to those people, it's like, oh, well, they're just going to hell. And I'm thinking, isn't that half the planet then? Because a lot of people don't believe in Jesus or anything else. So I pretty much from early teen years on um, to my mid thirties, I wanted nothing to do with religion. And I had cousins too, who were very, very religious and everything was about, you know, look out for Satan, you gotta behave. And it, again, it didn't resonate with me. And the spiritual path for me began when my son was diagnosed with autism. Other autism mom here, hi. Yeah, it's the it's the it's the uh, the club that you don't ever expect to belong to, and then you learn to love it over time. <laughs> but the reason that kicked off my spiritual journey is because everything that had up to that point worked out in my favor. I had you know my marriage, where we live, white picket fence life. Suddenly, all the rules, everything was just blown up, and my son. Over the course of time, he's doing beautifully now. He's actually in college, doing great, getting ready to transfer into a state, Cal State. But the reason that was so dramatic for me is because at the same time, everything was being ripped away, all of the rules that I knew, I was also experiencing miracles. Everything lined up for my son. Somehow, magically, we ended up with the best therapist. We ended up with the best attorney. We got the best services when we had to kind of battle LAUSD for his educational rights. And everything, it's not just, oh, I get a speech class. I'm getting the director of the speech program. I'm not just getting an amazing aid for him while he's in a special day school. That aid is quitting at the same time my son's transferring into public. She has no job and she'd love to work for me as his private aid what? Like, how does this happen? So time and time again, I could not deny that we were being taken care of. And around that time, I think I started dabbling and and started running into a couple of the, you know, metaphysical programs. I found a book on Buddhism that really deeply resonated with me. And then eventually there was a point where I was dealing with my son, uh, my marriage is falling apart. And a friend of mine invited me to go see Marianne Williamson speak. And she was speaking about the Course in Miracles. 
and her lectures were just down the hallway. And I went to these lectures, not even knowing what the Course in Miracles was. I finally asked someone in this audience of a thousand people, like, what is this book she's talking about? And this guy looked at me like I was a little bit of a whack job that I'm going to lectures on A Course in Miracles, but I don't know what the book is. I walked out into the lobby, bought my copy, and I, you know, it's a thick text, but over time, what I realize is it's actually a literary masterpiece, which is great since I have a, a master's in creative writing and a master's in, in spirituality. And so it was the best of both worlds coming together. But what the course is, um, there was a team of psychologists from Columbia back in the late 1960s and they knew that there was a lot of struggles within their program and with what they were offering and they both agreed together there's got to be a better way and shortly after that Helen Shuckman started having dreams then she started hearing a voice which actually meant she she just knew there was words coming into her mind she wasn't actually hearing anything outside of herself but she started copying in shorthand as quickly as she could all of these words that were coming into her mind and when she showed them to bill thetford she said am i crazy and he read everything and he's like well this is pretty consistent the languaging here, it's pretty advanced. Just keep listening. And over the course of just a little under a decade, they had translated all of her shorthand into the Course of Miracles. So it just had this gentle beginning based on a willingness to see life from a different point of view. Could you just tell people what is the premise of the book? Yeah, the premise of the book, it has a couple of main parts. The most commonly known parts are the text of A Course in Miracles, which is a little under 700 pages. And that's the entire spiritual philosophy of the course. And then there's what is called the workbook. And most people know about the workbook because it's 365 daily lessons. And so most people think like, oh, I'm just going to jump right into those daily lessons and just, you know, crank it out over the course of the year. Um, but it's, it's those two portions combined are like a slow psychological mind training where it gently asks you to reconsider the rules you live by, reconsider how you're viewing upsetting events in your life, reconsider your own power to create your life and co-create your life with the divine. So it's a gentle process, but it is, a, it is complex. And although it's self-study, because everyone's path will be very unique. Most people find a guide at some point in time to help them clarify, like, what am I reading here? Because the language, actual written vocabulary is complex. If you think of the old, the ancient mystery schools, they're not accessible to everyone. You had to go through rites of passage and the Course in Miracles at some degree is that. It can be very confusing for someone who is not spiritually ready from within and it can read just smooth as silk for someone who is who is mentally prepared and willing to look at their life in a different way. The text is written from the first person as if it's Jesus. Is that right? Uh, yes, uh, it is Jesus. And a lot of people have a problem with that because they're like, no, 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 no. Jesus is only in the Bible. And, and I like to think of it as, you know, you have. It's sci-fi Jesus. It's really the weirdest thing. Even the first page, it basically says time only exists as long as it's necessary. How is like, it ascribed to Jesus? Is it like, hey guys, I'm Jesus talking. 
you know, comma, begin quotation? Basically, yeah. yeah. So Helen realized at some point, like, oh, this is Jesus speaking to me. And what I like to think about it for people who have a, have a problem with the difference between the Bible and the Course in Miracles, if you take an actor like Brad Pitt, no one thinks twice if one script writer put him in this action film over here and another put him, someone else put him in Legends of the Fall, some romantic epic. It's the same guy, different script. And in, in some ways, the course, it really was waiting for this period in time because the level of personal responsibility that people have to take or step into if they're going to study the course is pretty strong. Whereas the Bible is, there's much more of a dependency on the divine course in miracles is calling you forward to an equality with the divine Um, and actually calling you forward. Jesus is very clear in the course. I was not the chosen one. We were all the chosen sonship, but I am your brother. I've gone before and I was one of, you know, one of the first to actually bridge the gap and have just complete direct communication, trust, faith in the divine um, guiding everything that, that he does. So he, he, he's basically just inviting us to say, well, you know, well, what if you had within you the capabilities that I have? Just to even wrap my head around that, I just started calling, you know, in my journals, I would call Jesus my bro. I would just say, hey, bro, what do I need to know today? And that was just a way that I could personally understand, you know, or, or start to gently relate to Jesus more of, of an equal yet a loving advanced equal to me, someone who was going to guide me forward, if that makes sense. It does. I mean, ish. I <laughs> sort so of, I guess there's certain things that just pop out for me. I mean, yes. just contextually. So I, I'm Jewish and I, you know, grew up in a super like, uh, intellectual, forward family, uh, sort of none of this religious, spiritual nonsense. And I came to spiritual, I mean, I live in California. I was, you know, a card carrying member of AA for many years, which is a very spiritual program. Yeah, it is. I, you know, I have done my sort of Northern California trying to be as part of the energetic world as I can. Yeah. Um, or at least acknowledging that when I am not in fight and when I'm in flow, I feel better. That being said, it it is hard to hear Jesus as part of something. It just it I mean, this is personal, but like, oh my gosh, why why would it be Jesus? Like it just sounds so pigeonholed to this one particular <laughs> history and doctrine and a way to work yeah. thing. Personally for all of the legions of people who have sort of been punished by the Christian institution. Yes. Well, so that's a really great point. And what I love about the course is it actually states right up front, there are thousands of pathways to the divine. They eventually all lead to not just a spiritual truth, but they lead to a similar spiritual experience. And it's really hard to have, you can't really have a universal theology that works for everyone because the cultural differences, the historical differences, they're too vast. But at a certain level, you can have similar spiritual experiences. 
And the course is about the experience and it invites you to use any language you want. However, this particular book does tend to find its way into the hands of Christians and everyone else. But when I, you know, when I would go to Marianne, you would have every possible, you know, religion, background, you name it in her lecture. So it's, it's very, it states very clearly in the text. This is just one way to the top of the mountain. It is one path. There are thousands. And if it doesn't resonate with you, use the terminology that you want, which I find pretty impressive for a text to be like, yeah, I'm saying I'm Jesus and say whatever you want, whoever the divine is for you. And Which is interesting because there are books that are literally like words are so important that words are God. Mm. But then that book is acknowledging that words are only important when they resonate with you. I don't know the kind of the limitations around language and that people will develop their own. But I think people read the Bible as if it's a legal document a lot of times, you know? Well, so you're making a really good point about words. The course also talks about the fact that these are strictly words to help you get to the point where you are literally abandoning A Course in Miracles because you no longer need the words to connect with the divine. The, the connection is so deep within you. The words go away. The book goes away. You just won't need it. It will be, it, your life will become pure experience of co-creating with the divine. So I actually like that you brought that up because they're words. Yes, use them now, but do not be attached to these words. Can I roll back? This is back to about your son. But when I got my son into lots of services and we're at this school that's really groovy and they teach to the kid and they do all these amazing things, I am super excited and I feel like I have been able to offer him something that is a gift. But I also, this is just how, how I'm framing it is maybe pushing out the divine, but it doesn't feel spiritual to me. It feels like I have good insurance and I have, mm. you know, I'm educated and I'm able to make the phone calls and I can advocate and be like, this is the vision of what I want. And it doesn't feel in any way like this indicates that there's a path that is being open because of something I'm doing internally. But that's stuck out so much because one, it's a huge framework yeah. concept. And then two, I also have a kid. <laughs> <autism>. <laughs> well, it's interesting because for me, um, I wasn't really on the spiritual path before my son's diagnosis, but what happened was it, I would have never called it a spiritual path if I hadn't experienced so many of these one in a million odd that I would find out about this school or a random person would call me about a mom's club event. And then she would just happen to tell me that there is an event at the help group for, for uh, autistic children the following morning. Gosh, I should go. And I never even know who this person was, but it's like having God call you on the phone and say, can you get to this meeting? Because your son's going to go to school there for a couple of years. So I started having that universal experience of someone's taking care of me. I cannot deny this anymore. I mean, time and time again, it was like, wow, even how we found our attorney, everything, just a line, a line, a line. But I hear what you're saying. You feel like you actually put all of that into play, which you probably did. Absolutely. I was the mom that even though I, I was aware of things happening, I was also doing the work of getting the attorney, doing this, doing, you know, super mom. Yeah. Um, you know about Supermom. So I was doing all that as well. But part of his healing 
actually came a little further down the line where once I got into the realm of spirituality and opened myself to everything, then I was finding out about past lives and all kinds of other things. So for me, the past life that I had with my son, it, it was a, a, a life in war where I tried to save him and I was unsuccessful. And so basically the guide that I use for that experience, he said, you're trying to save him again. You literally came into this life with an agreement that you would first try to save him, but then you would let him become independent and have his own experience. And I was like, wow, okay. But it tied into the course for me because the course is clear. If you don't resolve your unresolved issues in this lifetime, you'll be given another gentle opportunity to do so, or perhaps a more challenging opportunity to do so. Or pretty soon your life will explode and you'll be like, I can't do things the way I have been. I need to see this differently. Um, so for, again, for me, the past life portion tied into the course simply because you can resolve your relationships now or you can wait and wait and wait and you're going to come back and repeat the same patterns over and over again until you you look another way and eventually just like words past life in the course it says it's a tool eventually you won't need that it it, it actually ultimately they're just illusions but if they support you mentally changing your mind that's what the purpose is if that helps it does. It does. When you're saying all of these things, my brain fills with <laughs> questions and I'm like, but what about, but what about? You can ask me so any it, questions. It's very rich. But like, so what about, you know, you're in a circumstance where the external factors are just so far out of your control that you just, you can't align yourself with what's happening because the external situation is just too catastrophic or there's too much grief and there's not actually a way to find peace peace with what you are being given yeah when i was a middle school um teacher i taught a language arts humanity program and a big part of that i was teaching civil rights time period and i was also teaching world war ii everything Anne frank and auschwitz you name it that was my curriculum i took all of my 180 students to the museum of tolerance and i was like we must never forget and so i asked spirit directly show me what I am missing. It was probably 20 years after I'd taken my middle school students to the Museum of Tolerance. I went back with a friend, a writing buddy, and Anne Frank's diary was there and I read it. And as I walked around, I started weeping because I could see Anne Frank's words were absolutely in spiritual alignment about the wholeness of all of us. And, you know, she only died a week or two before she would have been liberated. But her book, the way it was, you know, taken, protected. One girl with this high level of spiritual enlightenment literally shifted millions through that diary. I wanted to sort of know also, like, where are you today and where's Sarah today? Because I these conversations always start from this place of like, here's my platter of offering, of, like of conceptual offering, offering that's already cooked and spiced to perfection and here it is. But like just as people, like what are what are you guys bringing into this as we talk about sort of an evolution of spiritual self? I will just say that I was in class for Reiki certification level one 
all day today for seven hours. And then I just did a tarot reading. So I feel pretty good, actually. Hmm. And I feel I feel pretty good, too. I actually had a, a lovely class with, I'm part of a mystics program. Say more about that. The mystics program? Um, yeah. It, it's a global mystics. It's a year-long class. It's called Global Mystics, and it's with Andrew Harvey and Mirabai Star, who are experts. And they've studied Rumi and John of the Cross, all of they've They've studied them. But I joined that class because... While I had that direct nudge, I'm, there's something else that I'm supposed to be in. I don't know what it is. And I found myself in the shower one day repeating the names of various divine characters. It wasn't just Jesus. It was Jesus, Mother Mary, Buddha. And I was reciting these names in the shower, actually. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, why am I reciting and repeating the same names over again? It was, it was bizarre. I've never done that before. But it was clear it was coming in and I was saying him saying these names aloud, got out of the shower, put my clothes on. And there was a link in my inbox that said, join the Global Mystics intro class now. I'm like, what is this? I get in, get on this, this Zoom call. And the very thing <laughs> that they were talking about was reciting the names of the beloved, of the divine. And that I is just a- got chills. <laughs> what? So, and that's a practice. It's a spiritual practice that the mystics have always used where you just simply recite. Maybe it's Mary Magdalene, Mary Magdalene, Mary Magdalene, or it's Tara or Tara, whoever, whoever your beloved is. But I realized like, oh my God, I was doing that in the shower and now they're talking about it. So that was spirit saying, you better get in this class. And what I found when I talked about the arc of, spiritual evolution, the spectrum. The course talks about how over time, certain people will start to fall out of your life. Don't be afraid though, mighty giants will will step in their place, meaning mighty companions is what it actually says. And so I knew I was going into a group where I could explore all aspects of my mysticism, of my beliefs. I could voice what I want to because where I am now, I don't voice a lot of this out in public. My close friends know what I do, but I wouldn't even say my own sister really knows what I do. She just knows I do a lot of the the woo-woo off to the side. (laughs) Exactly. And that's why I started this podcast, because I feel like everyone has these practices and there's not a lot outside of the spiritual community that does talk about it. And then have an understanding that that is a calling instead of it being just like, wow, that's crazy. What a coincidence. You know, I think having the conversation with people who get it, that that is part of the path. That's normal. (laughs) Normal. Yeah. That is required for spiritual growth because you have to start being discerning about what's okay in your life, what's not okay. And trusting so fully that the divine is speaking to you that you will follow through with what the divine tells you no matter what. And most of us waver for years and years and years. I, I still yeah. get messages of what I should do. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I hear you, but I'm not going to do that yet. That's, I have some judgments. I, I think I know how I should have it done. So I haven't even, I'm not at a place where I fully surrender everything. A lot, but the 20% that I don't surrender over to spirit and just do automatically probably causes 100% Goes really well. <laughs> It's the suffering of my life and I know it. And I'm like, I don't have the courage yet to take that leap that you're telling me to like, you know, to, to take. Yeah. So I get that. Well, yeah. And I wanted to back up and say, 
when I was saying that about who I created this podcast for or why, partly I do think it's, I want to open up these kind of spiritual conversations with everyone and make it more public to be talking about things that don't appear in the physical world, you know, like the energetic world is there. We all know it is, but then to what extent people are tapped into it and can read what's happening. I think we should normalize it because a lot of it makes you feel like you're crazy if you don't believe it, you know, and then all of a sudden you get channeled information. You're like, wow, is that nuts? Or is this actually happening? Liz, just out of curiosity, hearing everything that I'm saying, how do you actually feel hearing it right now? Like what's your level of comfort or or discomfort hearing? I would say that there's parts of it I'm very comfortable with. I mean, I'm incredibly struck by the similarities between the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm going to go back for one second, but then I'll come right back to your question. So at least what I have observed in this life of people being very traumatized by their Christian upbringings um, and very silenced and, you know, abused and shamed and violated in in many different foundational ways. And then there are spiritual paths in some ways that, seem to me kind of rooted in if that was your like evil Christian nuclear family, what would, what would a, what would a nice Christian family look like? I mean, I'm not Christian and never have been. And, but I mean, a lot of it is this, what would soothe and heal one after going through a traumatic Christian childhood. And so that is something, including in AA, like, allowing spirituality to look like anything it can be a higher power that is um personally my higher power is freddie mercury because he he is my queen and i love him to the ends of the earth or you know there's a thing in a like it's a doorknob it's literally anything but yourself by the way i know i'm breaking anonymity but so it goes You know, so there is this very soothing, very familiar place with all of this language and looking for the ways in which you can be guided if you let yourself. When you stop trying to control the things you cannot control, your life will become better. Controlling things that are not in your power is what makes life unmanageable. I think what's hard is... There's so many equivalents drawn where it's like the equivalent between I'm on a war-torn field in Afghanistan and I've just seen 10 people die and then I am in Oakland and I choose not to get angry at the driver who's in front of me. That's very hard for me to understand how we can be making equivalents Even though I understand there are spectrums and not everything is going to be in the like nuclear level explosions, spiritual choice moment. You know, most things are more like um, subtle and gradient. But but yeah, those are hard to hard to understand that equivalent. And then, of course, yeah, no, I'll just I'll stop with that. That was really long. Thank you for thank you for listening. Well, you you brought up some great points, which is how could my life even be equivalent? How do all these things even tie in? And and it's interesting. I, I think most people remember what happened in Afghanistan over the summer. And I have a dear friend who's, who's 
parents had been in Afghanistan for years. He was responsible when they were, um, when the Taliban was finally booted out, her dad was responsible for getting the new banking system up. And when all this was happening, I reached out to my friend and said, what can I do to help? I, I'm sure your heart is breaking right now, watching your country fall back into the hands of the Taliban. And she said, amplify my voice. So I started writing a letter, like an editorial piece. That's just what came in, write an editorial piece. I reached out to her, said, is this even close? She said, it's a little bit too much about me rather than the people of Afghanistan. And I said, great, I'll rewrite it, I'll work on it. When we got off the phone, I knew I wasn't gonna work on it anymore, but something happened when I connected into the energy through my writing into that letter. I was really holding the people of Afghanistan, both the people who were suffering, the, the so-called victims, as well as the Taliban members themselves, because the similarity between the two is this fear and survival. It doesn't matter which side you're on. It's the same energies. Yeah. It's terror and fear and survival. I stopped working on the letter. The voice in my head told me to go to a tea house, actually my husband's restaurant and go have tea. 10 o'clock at night, I was in my pajamas and I'm like, really spirit, why am I going to have tea at 10 o'clock at night? I'm having tea in kind of the bar area with these little two foot cocktail tables. He actually saw some people walk past the window of the restaurant. He went outside, talked to them, brought them in. And I'm thinking, why are you going out and grabbing people off the street at this late at night? Like, let's just go home, close the place up. He comes in with these two total strangers and he goes, this is my wife. Would you like to sit with her? And they looked at me and they said, sure. And I'm looking at him like, what are you doing? Are you insane? Okay. They sit down within an hour after we talked about her pregnancy and all these other things. I found out that he was the head of security for um, a company that was in Afghanistan, making sure all of the people of, you know, the reporters for the BBC and, and CNN, that they were safe as well as diplomats. And he, he had just arranged for four planes to be, to land in Kabul and then get people back out. But they were going through Jordan and all of this. So I look at him and I'm like, I can't believe you're sitting next to me. I have a friend who's trying to get some families out. And to make a long story short, he, he said, I will do everything I can to get them past the Taliban into the airport. And he did. The entire next day, he was reaching out to my friend in direct communication, trying to get the paperwork to get them past the Taliban, not even a visa yet, just get them into the airport. There was the bombings a day or two later, so I don't actually know what happened, but that was a miracle. I was in England at the time. My friend was in California, yet we're helping people in Afghanistan. Mind blown. I'm still friends with this gentleman. I think we'll probably be friends for life. We knew something was happening in that moment. I didn't have to know what. I just had it, had to act and be open to being used as an extension of love and, and kindness and compassion and, and empowerment, really. So I know that's well, an extreme story, but. I love that story. And I loved what you wrote because I immediately recognized like Course in Miracle mentality. And it kind of reminded me of a piece that Rebecca Solnit wrote about Trump and his lonely narcissism. Mm -hmm. and. And so that kind of level of compassion, even though it's definitely a pretty scathing review of his personality, but I think it's so necessary as we look ahead with, you know, the right and the left extreme camps being equally as worked up and a lot of sharing a lot of the same values, but for totally different reasons. And like, 
how are we going to be able to reconcile and come into the middle? And so I feel like what you're talking about is basically that, like a call to see yourself in the other. And it's so hard right now because there's so many others. (laughs) Sarah is in one of my Course in Miracles, um, just an intro class that I just started. And here's what we typically tend to do. Now we're talking about spirituality and the divine. Most people really solidly believe in the world that they see with their physical eyes. And then they ask the divine, please come into my world, fix the wars, fix COVID, fix my finances, fix my relationship, fix my world, fix this for me, please. And that's where people pray from. Please, please help me fix my son, please. What's going on? What the Course in Miracles does is ask you to do the reverse. Instead of identifying with everything you see as the true reality, the Course actually explains, and it's a little bit complex, but the the Course explains that what we see with our physical eyes is actually a form of an illusion. And what we see with our spiritual sight and our connections to those other realms is actually our true vision. So what we do, instead of saying, God, come into the illusion and fix it, we say, oh my goodness, I'm in an illusion of chaos and destruction and terror and fear. And instead of asking the divine to come in, recognize we're in it, recognize the chaos and all of these ego creations that are happening now on the planet and hand our creations to the divine. And I think of it, or I describe it sometimes as if you were a child, say you were a baby in a porta crib, somehow as a humanity, we've put knives and fireballs and all these things into our porta cribs. And all we have to do is ask to be lifted out mentally, out of the porta crib to see everything from a different view and to be guided one day at a time to get out of the of the chaos that we are swirling around in so in other words spirit lift me up out of the illusion and if you look at any of the the mystics like rumi or Teresa of avila and they all say the same thing it's an illusion come with me out of it but then people ask like well wait a minute if my world's an illusion that's scary shit. Like, I don't like hearing that either. That's terrifying. But what the course talks about is you are a human, you're here, you are in the illusion. But likely if you're seeing chaos and fear and and you're experiencing, there's that word experiencing again, if you're experiencing anxiety, depression, all of those things, you're probably thinking with the egoic side of your mind and not the holy side of your mind. And so what, when I'm in those places, I try to stop and recognize like, wait, I'm in anger, fear, and all of these things that I don't like. I'm thinking with the wrong side of my brain. Spirit, lend me your sight. Show me another way, just like, you know, uh, the original teachers of the course asked Bill and Helen, show me another way. And what happens is that your free will has just invited the spiritual realms into your life. And now you have to start paying attention to the clues. You've asked for assistance to see your illusion differently, to show up within the illusion 
from a much stronger side of your mind, this powerful side of your mind, from the strength of your mind, not your weakness, not your victim side, because we all have that going on. And when you do that and you open yourself to that, it might take a couple of days, it might be within an hour, it might be within a week, but the solution can come to you how you walk yourself out of the chaos. So you had talked about your class, the intro to Course in Miracles for Dummies, yes, which was so inspiring and awesome. And you summed the entire book and all the lessons up in one tiny <laughs> diagram. <laughs> and I was, I was like, oh, I get the class now. I get the entire book. So I guess I don't need to read it. <laughs> Just but I was wondering if you would explain the exercise. But- but basically what Sarah's referring to is I had my class just draw a circle and that circle represents the divine, the eternal. And in the model of the Course in Miracles, the divine is perfection. It's joy. It's happiness. It's calm. It's all of those beautiful words that you, you think of. It is all good. It's very different than the Bible which has a more punitive God. I mean, it's hard for me to get past Genesis because clearly the, the God in Genesis is really just not the kindest of people to, you know, it's, t- it's tough for me to even read that and be like, yikes, I'm glad yeah. that wasn't my father. A little scary. I was going to bring that up actually and see if you had any thoughts about the, the kind of violence in the, the Bible, which I just does not resonate with me. It doesn't resonate with a lot of people. But the point of the course is... The divine of A Course in Miracles is literal perfection. And if you wrote the word, the divine in there, which can be any word you want, whatever resonates with you, queen would work as well, if that's your spiritual guide. Freddie Mercury. you You have that. And then you basically put your name in that divine circle because you were created by the divine as a perfect eternal soul. You will always be that. The divine created you. That is your father. That is your mother. However you want to look, your DNA is shared. You can therefore at some level extend love just the way the divine does. And that's all that the divine does is just constantly extending love, extending love, extending love. Now, I also had my class draw a much smaller circle off to the side. And then I had them write the word ego in that small circle. And what that small circle represents is we are all, every single human, all of us, every mind on this planet is part of the divine, but we had a small mad thought. That's what the course calls it. A small mad thought that we were separate, that we weren't part of the divine. The moment we had that thought and we literally kind of went insane because we left our home, what happened was the divine basically said, oh, okay, so you're over here now. You have co-creative powers just like I do. And so we were given the free choice to create then our bodies, the world, the relationships that we had, everything that we see because we basically decided to create our own universe. And so the the catch of that is, is now we're functioning from the ego state of, of being, which is our personality. 
but there is still this connection back to that original circle, which is the eternal divine. So I described it uh, to the class as imagine that you're, you lived in this wonderful house. It's absolute, you know, paradise every day. You're this little child that grabs your suitcase and you go, you know what? I'm running away. I'm going to take my tent. I'm going to take my dollies. I'm going to storm out. You go down and you're walking a couple blocks away. Your parents are watching you. You got mom and dad divine going, oh, there she goes. She thought she was separate. Let her go. She'll come back. Sure enough, you get out in the world and then you look around and you go, oh my God, I don't like the medical problems I have. Oh my God, my relationship is falling apart. Oh my God, I don't like the world. Actually, I don't like my, most of the people in the world. And then it's this like, oh, the terror takes over, the fear, the, you know, it's like, how do I navigate all these things I don't like? But God has put this GPS locator in you that's permanent. So the second you stop and you say, I don't like what I've created, once I've left my home, you stop and you say, take me back. Get me again, lift me out of this. Help me activate my right mind so I can navigate my way home. So look at the GPS, you'll be guided back. And even if you decide, you know what, actually I did wanna run away even when you were heading home, the GPS just keeps relocating back to get you where you wanna be. But it's the moment that you ask, and you recognize, I don't like what I've done, what I've created. I want to go home. You will be guided home. And for a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of traumatic things that happen in people's lives. I've had my fair shares, fair share of things that, you know, 20 years ago, I would have never said, I, I created that. Like, no, I didn't create that. That's insane. Over time, I realized that if I created it and I take ownership of that, I can undo it as well. If I'm a victim of an outside circumstance, I can't. My healing somehow is dependent on an apology, on forgiveness, on you know seeking justice. And so I see it now for me, and this is not for everyone, I don't wanna be a victim to anyone. I wanna say, wow, somehow there was something deep in my subconscious that participated in, in what I'm seeing I don't like it. I want to redo. I want to try this again. I want to go back home. And I I'm always guided back to where I need to be. But the moment that you stop and say something's off, help me, they call that the holy instant. And that's when you're inviting spirit to access your mind at that point. So but it's it's just a different way to to view the world. And for those people who practice that, the information they need, it will come. It's not necessarily always easy. You might have to sit in the fear off to the side in your little bubble for a while while you're waiting for that guidance out or a symbol to point you in the right direction. But eventually you learn over and over and over again that the guidance will come and sitting in the fear makes no sense. So sit in your strength while you're waiting for the answer to come. Trust that you do have that inner GPS. It is working, it's not broken trust sit in your strength while you're waiting for that answer to come to you so i'm sure if that helped or not but i well i love that and what is the best way to know that you're up in your ego i would say anytime that there is fear anxiety the course is very very clear anytime you're experiencing you know trauma of some kind 
any of those anger, that's another one, any of those really heavy emotions, sometimes they, they are from an experience you had in a lifetime. But a lot of times people will say, you know, maybe they got mad at their spouse and they're watching themselves yell at their spouse. And they're like, it's not even that big of a deal. Why am I yeah. so ballistic? over the spoon that he didn't put in the dishwasher. What is wrong with me? I'm ready to tear my house apart because he hasn't put the spoon away. That's usually an indicator of some old, old, deep subconscious material that you probably carried forward from another lifetime. And it's being triggered simply as an opportunity to let it go. And I'm the first to admit that I've, I've had a temper and things come up for me that, I, but again, it's always a clearing and, and I allow, I don't suppress any of those emotions. I allow myself to sit in the discomfort of anger, anxiety, whatever it is, because I know it's actually my egoic self, but now it's, it's almost that egoic mind thoughts of fear have so penetrated my cells that I got to sit and just let it come out. I have to just like, it's got to come out. I put it in it's got to come back out. And that's the tricky part of the spiritual path because no one wants to sit in discomfort. But when I do, it does clear. It might take 15 minutes or 30 minutes. But even on my birthday, I, I was in Greece with my husband and I found myself in the shower and spirit just started telling me like, you know, say, say any words that are coming into your mind. And I, I heard the word hatred. And I kept saying, hatred, hatred. I'm like, and then I heard like, where is hatred in my body? Where is it in my cells? God, it was right in my chest. I could feel it. And as I allowed myself just to say the word hatred, 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 I knew I was clearing my egoic self. And I could feel, it's like having someone pull, like I describe it as a rope, pulling like a just gunk out of my chest. And then I heard other words, betrayal. I'm like, where did betrayal come from? Where is that in my body? It felt like it was in my back. And so then I just sat and let my back stretch towards that discomfort. So the course isn't saying deny your emotions. It's saying feel them, but know they're from the ego. And once they clear, then you actually have a better communication with the divine because it's hard for the divine to get through to you. If half of the emotions in your body are of stress-related emotions, it's really hard for spirit to talk to you. So let it come up, but recognize it's, it's not who you really are. That's the large bubble, the eternal bubble. The upset is your small self. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Well, Joanne, do you want to talk about any creative projects or anything that you're working on right now before we wrap it up? Any little self promo? Self promo. Um... Talking about the ego, you know, <laughs> just put it out there. <laughs> Yeah, I met Sarah through a writing program originally. And so I'm writing memoirs about my experience of taking, uh, my mother had Alzheimer's and when the medical realms failed, I was basically forced to turn to the spiritual realms to really revamp and rethink, you know, what are my beliefs about death, about assisting people, about perhaps over assisting people and getting into a control pattern. And so um, the memoir is about that. So I'm, I'm definitely still polishing my first draft. I do feel like writing is a big component of sharing The Course in Miracles concepts without saying, here's your self-help book number 5,008, you know, whatever. 
it's just a, a way to just show how I live. I live this way because of the course, but it's a demonstration of that. It's the storytelling version of the course. So, and I do, you know, I am, I've always had people who want to go on A Course in Miracles retreats and spend some time doing that with me. And if they, you know, if they want, they can go to my Instagram page, which is joanne.menon. And there is a post about the Course in Miracles and they can just message me. This is deep mystic work. And the mystic schools of ancient times, you had to go through a rite of passage to get there. And if I can protect the people who are coming in to study with me, so they're safe to explore any ideas in their minds and ask whatever questions they want, I will definitely do that. But, but there is information on my, on my webpage and, or on my Instagram page. And people can just message me and say, hey, I heard you. I want more information. So I'll probably do more intro classes as well. Um, but I'm kind of mid, I'm at a starting point with another group right now. So, but more will follow. I want to pitch your website because I thought your website was very like juicy and satisfying to read. And I really <laughs> loved it because it broke down what the Course in Miracles was about, but then also how you could coach on an individual level or groups and all the different ways this content could be brought into an individual's experience. So I, and, and yes, I, I am a coach as well. And I'm a consultant, so I can work with groups. You know, I used to work at the Ojai Valley Inn in California as their spiritual, one of their on-site spiritual consultants working with their corporate groups. This material, it didn't matter if I was working with the NASA scientists, if I was working with all the executives of Google, if I was working with the husband and wife, a mother and daughter, the material is applicable to everyone. Well, we'll definitely put those links in the bio. Oh, I appreciate um, it. Or in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. Joe, I'm so like grateful that you came and talked with the podcast. I just think, wow, I feel very flattered. Not only do I feel lucky that you're on the podcast, but I now feel even more lucky to be in your intro ACIM group. So thank you so much. You are most welcome. And you know, Sarah, I have enjoyed having you a part of my life for a long time. So. I know. Oh my God. <laughs> Who would have thought we started in Wendy's class and then ended up here? Never would have guessed, but it's it's been wonderful. So, and Liz, absolutely a delight to meet you. Um, Thank you, Sam. Yeah, it it's been great. amazing talking to you and, and listening to your path. Thank you. I, I had a great time. That's all for this week's episode. Thanks for side-wooing with us. We release episodes every other week on Thursday. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast for good karma points. Until we meet again in the woo. Mm-hmm.